This is a Radio 191 FM podcast. We've now got Lydia from the Department of Conservation talking to us today about the return of the kakapo to the mainland. Hi Lydia, how are you? Sure, Jess, I'm very well, thank you. Awesome, that's so good to hear. So what makes the kakapo species so unique? Uh, these guys are incredible. Uh, so they are a nocturnal parrot. They are flightless. Um, they are the only lek breeding parrot. So they have quite a different mating system and breeding system to any other species. They're the most incredible, beautiful greens and olives. And yeah, they're just really, really special. Amazing. What makes the news of the kakapo return so significant? This, they, these guys have been doing it tough for quite a long time in New Zealand. So they were originally one of the most um, widespread, most numerous birds that we had in New Zealand. And then unfortunately with the introduction of people and the predators that we brought over with us, uh, they didn't have the defence mechanisms to... I guess, guard themselves against that. And so they really quickly started to drop in numbers uh, to the point that they were pushed right out to the very extremes of where they had been. So there's a tiny, that we thought they'd gone extinct. In the late 70s, they found a little population in Fiordland. And then right at the end of that um, decade, they found a population on Rakiura, Stewart Island. And um, even with those birds, they found that they were still being targeted and were still losing them to predators. So uh, there was a big program set up and all the birds had been moved to offshore predator-free islands to get them somewhere safe, give them a chance to breed up. And this is the first time that birds have actually been translocated back to somewhere on the mainland. So it's really exciting that we've got to the point where those predator-free islands, those places that are really safe, um, are... Uh, full to the point that we need other places to put them. Um, and yeah, it's the f- first time ever that they've come back to the mainland. Awesome. So what like initially did prompt the move of the kakapo back to the mainland? Or was it just the idea that there is a predator safe place now for them to be? Yeah, absolutely. So these guys, um, when particularly when they're chicks, they're really vulnerable. They're teeny tiny when they first hatch. So even rats and wecker and things like that will... Um, target them and so then to be able to breed they need to be on sites that don't have any of those species at all and so that's where places like Pukanui, Anchor Island and Ho, Codfish Island have been the really safe places but there's only so many birds that you can fit into those little islands because then they ran out of space and um, so it's really important that we can have the females and the really important breeding males at those places and they can have the space and get on with making more babies um, but we do end up as again because of the way they breed with some males which don't have a place in those breeding islands at this stage and so um, yeah we still need somewhere safe for them to live and that is where yeah somewhere like Sanctuary Mountain Mangatauteri, which is this incredible, massive, fenced mountain. Um, they've yeah, put up a predator fence all the way around it, and then they've removed all of the predators, so we can safely put Kakapo back there to live and make space um, for making more on the breeding islands. How many Kakapo birds are there now, and how will the population increase in size? Yeah, so we have 248 birds. Um, it's yeah, that incredible thing of knowing every single bird in an entire species um, is pretty mind-boggling. And 
as they only breed on the southern islands when the rimu tree masts and the rimu tree is quite a slow moving tree kakapo to be fair are fairly slow moving themselves they do everything slowly um but it requires the rimu tree to be fruiting in large amounts is what triggers the birds to breed and that only happens every kind of two to four years so we had a really big breeding season in 2022 and at this stage the next breeding season isn't going to be till at least 2025 probably 2026 or beyond um so they do everything quite slowly um and so it means that you, we need to be able to maximise the times when they do breed. We want every girl that we have to hopefully have chicks and have a nest and be successful. Um, but it means that those in-between times, uh, yeah, it's very slow progress. Wow, that's insane. There's no wonder yeah. that they're so endangered and wanting to bring them back and things. Yeah. So <laughs> um, what other conservation efforts have the have Doc employed in relation to the kakapo species? Yeah, so these guys are probably one of the most highly monitored species in the world. So every bird wears a little backpack transmitter and um, that's essentially like a wee Fitbit. And so they move around with that. That allows us to go find them um, when we need to for health checks and things like that. They have the most incredible camouflage. You could be standing half a metre away from one and not even realise it was there. Um, so we need that to be able to keep track of the birds and then yeah because it's got a Fitbit bit technology to it um, we can get activity monitoring things like that so we can know how active the birds have been and so I'm a veterinarian by trade so being able to know how much the birds are moving around is really important for knowing a bit about how their health is doing um, and yeah so I've kept pushing the boundaries of kind of what the technology can do and how we can be as hands-off as possible. We want them just to get on and live their lives and do things without us, but at this point they still need that quite intensive support. So it's, it's walking that line of where can we step back and do less and where do we need to keep helping them. When do you expect the Kākāpō population to reach a point where they are no longer endangered? <laughs> That's an incredible question, and it, it's a really tricky one. Um, I think at the moment, the biggest problem is we need more places that are predator-free, and they need more space where for them even to be able to start dreaming about those days. And um, that's where um, yeah, organisations like Predator Free 2050 and Predator Free Rakiura um, are so critical. So we need need those places where we could step away and just leave them to breed and know they could do that safely on their own. And um, yeah, we're not at that point yet. Um, it's only a day we all dream of, particularly we still have 20 birds that came from Rakiura originally. If they could get to the point where they could go back there, that would just be incredible. Um, but it's really hard to put a number on it in terms of either birds or dates. Um, it's just a journey we're on um, and we'll, we'll yeah, keep making progress towards that day. Absolutely. And finally, what does this milestone mean for other rare native birds? Yeah, so I said it's, I think, a real vision of hope, um, hope that the, we can bring these species back from the brink, um, that if we can get these spaces that are predator-free and are safe for them, that um, the recovery 
recovery programs and all of the people that are working so hard a to make the predatory spaces but also to preserve the species we've got that there's going to be somewhere for them to be um, and it's an incredible we work very closely in partnership with Naitahu um, who are the iwi that um, kakapo are in their rohi and working really closely with them and then um, them being able to work closely with the iwi that whakapapa back to Sanctuary Mountain Mangatauteri again gives that ability to share taonga and to um, have a time where yeah these special treasures that used to be everywhere um, are for a time able to be in places that they haven't been. Thanks for listening to a Radio 191 FM podcast. There are heaps more at r1.co.nz.